Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. I've been playing the remake of Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story lately. It's been the subject of a few of my recent tweets, so if you follow the show's Twitter, you could probably guess what game I might be interested in talking about in an upcoming episode. It's usually a good sign. But going back to the game, instead of, you know, blatant self-promotion, I wasn't going to buy the Bowser's Inside Story remake at first, because I bought the Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga remake, and if I could be honest, I wasn't crazy about it. I wouldn't say it's a bad game at all, but I would insist on playing the original if you had the chance. The game looked pretty, and it had a style more consistent with the latter games in both visual sense and gameplay sense. And there were a few neat continuity touches in the Bowser's Minions side story, but overall, I just had less of an attachment to this game. With that in mind, I wasn't really excited about the Bowser's Inside Story remake. Despite all that, though, I caved, and I bought it, since I had a little extra money to throw around at the time. And ultimately, I really liked it. Which is weird, since it has a lot of the same approach that the Superstar Saga remake had. So why did I like the Bowser's Inside Story remake more? Well, that brings me to today's episode. I'm going to revisit the Mario & Luigi series after talking about them all the way back in Bit 5. But this time, I'm going to talk about the remakes, and what I think of them and their changes, kind of compare them to each other, things of that nature. If you read this week's Bit title, you can also tell that I'm going to touch on Partners in Time a little bit, but more on that later. Giving it some thought, I feel like a big contributor to my enjoyment of the Bowser's Inside Story remake is the series' comfort zone. In hindsight, I think Bowser's Inside Story was around the point where the Mario & Luigi series really got comfortable with its identity. Superstar Saga and Partners in Time were both very different from each other in a number of ways. Meanwhile, Bowser's Inside Story, while initially seeming more similar to Superstar Saga, actually takes the best of both worlds, I feel like. It has a similar approach to Superstar Saga overall, but uses some of Partners in Time's adjustments, like the bros' attacks involving weird contraptions, not being able to separate the brothers, having a more concise game world. Bowser's Inside Story seems to be a marriage between some of the ideas that the first two games had. Then the fourth one, Dream Team, very closely resembles Bowser's Inside Story. A lot of continuity in both style and story are present in that one, and while the Mario & Luigi series has never shied away from referencing itself, Dream Team feels like much more of a continuation than other games have. To the point where, a couple years ago, I felt the need to revisit Dream Team shortly after beating Bowser's Inside Story. Then Paper Jam starts to deviate a bit more, but you can still see some of the fingerprints of Bowser's Inside Story, like the non-standard giant battles, or the mid-battle effect items, things of that nature. With all that said, I would call Bowser's Inside Story the anchor of the series. Contrast Superstar Saga. Despite being a solid game in its own right, it was the first outing, which meant it was very experimental. It was also released on the Game Boy Advance, while all the others were released on Nintendo DS and 3DS. This makes it the only game to lack a second screen, 
or touch controls, or a mic and the extra buttons. Since Superstar Saga Remake was for 3DS, that meant that the game got buffed to accommodate all these extra things. Except not really. The game is pretty faithful to the original, taking only minimal advantage of the new system. The bros can jump at the same time with X or Y, regardless of whether or not they're set to use their hammers or anything. There's a map on the bottom screen that makes navigating easier, unless you use the map for special move shortcuts instead. You can also use the emergency guard in battles that was added in Paper Jam. It's nice, these are appreciated changes, but that's mostly where the appreciation ends for me. It's a game that's paradoxically too faithful to the original, while also betraying the original. This could be viewed as a petty argument, and I've been on the opposite side of it, but I can't help but miss the original art style of Superstar Saga. That game looked unique, especially by the series' standards. Meanwhile, the remake borrows the same art style from Dream Team and Paper Jam. Now, out of all six, or actually seven now, Mario & Luigi games, four of them use this same style. Consistency is nice, but it also gets a little samey after a while. I like that the first four games all look different from each other. And this is also a weird complaint, and it could just be owed to the larger gap between the GBA and the 3DS versus the DS and 3DS, but I felt like the graphical overhaul went a little too far in the Superstar Saga remake. Like, all the lighting effects and the background graphics and stuff, it just felt too polished. A little inconsistent from the rest of the series, I think. Even Dream Team and Paper Jam didn't look this nice. It's a little eerie, actually. The Bowser's Inside Story remake, I feel like they toned it down, and ultimately for the better. But, like I said, that could just be because Bowser's Inside Story already looked nicer, so maybe it just isn't as noticeable, and they did the exact same thing. They added a double jump from all the future installments in the Superstar Saga remake. So in battles, if you hit the button when Mario and Luigi jump on an enemy, you get another jump. While I thought that was cool at first, I quickly realized that fights were starting to take longer than I remembered. And that's when it occurred to me, they recalibrated all the enemy's hit points to account for your double jump. You also can't switch the order of the Mario Brothers anymore, which isn't a big deal, but it was one of the things that I missed when they got rid of it as early as the first sequel. I could go on even more about some of the changes they made, but the bottom line is that introducing the first game to the tweaks made with later games, without even going all the way with it, just makes the whole package feel like a facsimile of Superstar Saga, not actually Superstar Saga. Since Bowser's Inside Story came along later, when the series was more comfortable, the remake feels a lot better by comparison. By having less to fix, or ruin, the remake was able to be a more cohesive experience. I was able to get into the groove of things more quickly. And it's worth noting that I waited longer between playing this and the original Bowser's Inside Story than I did with Superstar Saga's remake and original. The remake of Bowser's Inside Story introduced a few changes, but most of them were for the better. That might also contribute to the remake feeling better, since it's possible that they learned what works and what doesn't work. 
Other than the changes that were used in the last remake, one of the biggest improvements is that Giant Bowser's flame breath isn't mic isn't mic controlled anymore, so that Fawful Express isn't as obnoxious to deal with this time. That is one of the most infamous boss fights in the entire game. You can also hold multiple badge effects, and you can give your characters permanent level buffs after every few level ups. You can even refight the giant boss battles. So most of the changes feel like quality of life improvements instead of attaching bells and whistles where they didn't need to be. Both the remakes also involve a side mode starring side characters in a rock-paper-scissors stage-based strategy light game. This is where most of the new writing and continuity nods get to shine. Superstar Saga's minion quest was a cute idea, showing Bowser's army looking for their leader and displaying what goes on amongst his ranks whenever Mario's not around. I think the idea was better realized, or at least the high concept was, with Bowser Jr.'s Journey, the analogous mode for Bowser's Inside Stories remake. Instead of a handful of minions, Bowser Jr. is the star of the show here, so we have more of a singular focus and making use of an established character, even going as far as to give him a character arc. All the while still expanding upon the original game as we know it. Dialogue in the main story is even slightly tweaked to reference Bowser Jr.'s journey to some extent. Even minor cameos are added. I can't speak for the gameplay, because these modes didn't capture me too much, but I like the high concept, especially in Bowser Jr.'s journey. At the end of the day, Bowser's Inside Story had the better remake. I don't think it's essential to play this if one already owns and enjoys the original version, but it's worth taking a look, at the very least. And if you've never played either version, I might still recommend the original just for the sake of context. But if you'd prefer to play the remake, I won't stop you. Contrast my opinion of the Superstar Saga remake, where I'm just like, nah, nah, just, just play the original, you'll be fine. It's been observed that Nintendo and Alpha Dream skipped Mario & Luigi Partners in Time, the second installment of the series. They went from first to third. It's really odd, but not incredibly surprising. I remember when Partners in Time was brand new back in 2005. A lot of people weren't really happy with it. It was THE least popular of the Mario RPGs until Super Paper Mario came along. And then Paper Mario Sticker Star came along. And then after that, every Mario RPG had some level of complaints thrown at it. One would say that Bowser's Inside Story is probably the last of the universally loved Mario RPGs. I mean, yeah, I know some people who don't like it, but generally people like Bowser's Inside Story. It's everyone that came after it, also in the Paper series, not just the Mario and Luigi series, that has its fair share of controversy. But there was once a period where Partners in Time was the only really bad game of the bunch, according to popular opinion, anyway. Of course, with the issues people have with the later games, some would look back on Partners in Time and realize that it wasn't as bad as they thought. I'm not so sure about that myself, because I always liked the game. I think some people should go back to Partners in Time now, and see for themselves whether or not it holds up better than they remember, or maybe they hated it just enough the first time, I don't know. 
it's definitely worth a look if you can get the game. Even if Partners in Time was a little underrated in my opinion, though, Bowser's Inside Story has already left a larger impact. Getting to play as Bowser definitely helps. This is Bowser's game. Mario and Luigi are essentially support characters who occasionally take the reins in between Bowser's segments. It also helps that the gameplay resembles Superstar Saga more, because Partners in Time had a hub system, where you could only freely navigate Princess Peach's castle and had to go to different cordoned-off sections of the kingdom in the past. No interconnectivity at all. It was also a highly linear game, but the same could be said of most Mario and Luigi games. It's just that Partners in Time was probably the most blatant with its linearity. Not only did Bowser make for a good co-star, Fawful was a good villain. This is a little bit of a sore spot for me, because I feel like the shrubs were cool and unique for what kind of series we're in. Meanwhile, I'm just kind of tired of Fawful. It's a little bit like my situation with Isabel from Animal Crossing, where I'm just so tired of this character who gets adored by everyone. I never thought Fawful was that funny. I didn't think he needed to reappear in Partners in Time or Bowser's Inside Story, and yet they saw fit to keep having him come back. Everyone loves Fawful for his weird syntax speech patterns, and I'll admit he's a shockingly competent villain. Throughout the entire game, everything goes his way. Even some things that first appear to be setbacks end up working out for him. It, it's all until you win the final battle, that is. This reflects the general competence he has in Superstar Saga, which he began to acknowledge toward the end of the game, and especially in the Bowser's Minions mode, where he pointed out that he was doing most of the legwork for his superior. He was essentially the bigger threat than she was. One of the things I do like, and it relates to Fawful's competence, is that the plot of Bowser's Inside Story comes across as a massive uphill battle, Bowser has to fight tooth and nail to reconquer his own kingdom and even save the princess that he often kidnaps. Seriously, Fawful mindjacks Bowser's troops, drops him off in a cliffside cave somewhere. This frees him to take over Bowser's castle, brainwash his minions, censor all evidence of Bowser's existence, build up a new fan base among the controlled minions, and... That's all unrelated to his true evil plan. He has a lot of weird side projects in this game. And for every minion that doesn't submit to Fawful, they all get imprisoned. Not only does Bowser win this uphill battle, but he does it in style. We get to see all new sides of Bowser, thanks to him being in the main character seat for this game. We learn primarily that he and his minions have a mutual appreciation of each other. And this personality of Bowser's sticks for the rest of Dream Team and Paper Jam. I feel like this is the game where some people go from liking Bowser to loving him, if they didn't already love him. Partners in Time had a very grim, very personal stake, with the aliens successfully conquering the Mushroom Kingdom of the past, but it's undermined by the fact that it's the past. The present-day kingdom is unaffected. We never see any signs of the Shroob's conquest. Maybe if we could explore the kingdom of the present, it would be a different story, but... Can't. The Shroob's don't have any personality to speak of either. They're just ooga-booga aliens. 
they're cool, I like them, and I think a villain like them is appreciated every once in a while, but can't argue with the fact that they don't leave as much of an impression as Fawful, in spite of being among the most powerful antagonists Mario's ever faced. And instead of controlling the awesome Bowser and getting to see new sides of him, who joins Mario and Luigi in their alien fighting adventures? Baby Mario and Baby Luigi. Now, in one way, I think that's kind of neat, because the Baby Brothers are just Mario Kart fodder, or living MacGuffins in the Yoshi's Island games. Here, they actually get to participate in the story and fight alongside their main selves. Except they're generally not that popular. Mario and Luigi, as babies, are mostly known for crying, a lot, and sounding really annoying as they do. And, of course, that's included in Partners in Time. Despite their increased presence, they don't really bring a whole lot of new to the table. They're kind of cute, I guess, but they don't talk, and they're babies. Baby forms of the other main characters at that, so even if they could develop and have character arcs, it would have to be in accordance with the adult Mario and adult Luigi. I know people change personalities from infancy to adulthood, that's what growing up is, but these babies wear the same clothes as their adult selves. Something tells me that there's not going to be a lot of room for personality divergence here. Altogether, it's comparable to Paper Mario joining the brothers in Paper Jam. He's a new partner, he changes up the gameplay a bit, but... It's just another version of the brothers, and as such, doesn't provide a lot of character moments. Not like Bowser. And I'll grant that the baby brothers do have their fans, but more or less, they're pretty unpopular characters. So as much as I like Partners in Time, and I'm even replaying it now, I understand why some people don't like it as much. And if people didn't like it, then word of mouth would affect its sales. There's also the fact that since it came out in 2005, that would mean that it was very early in the Nintendo DS's lifespan. It was actually my very first Nintendo DS game. So it wasn't able to reach as many people as Bowser's Inside Story did four years later, when many more people had a Nintendo DS. A mix of having a better release time frame, better gameplay elements and presentation, and it all makes sense why Nintendo would skip from Superstar Saga to Bowser's Inside Story on their remake schedule. So what's the takeaway from all this, then? Frankly, I think Bowser's Inside Story is considered by the developers to be the gold standard of Mario & Luigi games. That might be shared with the majority of the fans, too. I'm not really so sure, because fans are known for being vocal about dissenting opinions. Every future installment of the Mario & Luigi series would use Bowser's Inside Story as a skeleton, and then flesh it out from there, bodily puns not intended, but appreciated. And with Bowser's Inside Story as the standard, it brings down the Superstar Saga remake, while keeping the Bowser's Inside Story remake very enjoyable. And while Superstar Saga and Partners in Time both differ from the third game, one was more beloved than the other, so only one had the so-called privilege of being remolded into Bowser's Inside Story's general image. Or attempted to, anyway. At the very least, that's how I see things. Other than Partners in Time getting disrespected, I'm not too bothered by all this. Bowser's Inside Story is one of my favorite games. 
I'm never quite sure which in the Mario & Luigi series is my favorite, but that one is usually one of the contenders. And now I'll be playing Partners in Time once again, for the first time in years, because I've been long overdue for a revisit. I've got a few different games in mind for next week's show. I recorded one with Henry again lately, and we're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts. I think it's about time we talk about Kingdom Hearts 3. Then maybe i got to talk about Travis Strikes again, because I've been tweeting about that lately. Who really knows, though? Because sometimes a game sneaks up on me, and I just got to talk about that. I know that I've recorded a few episodes with Philip from the Octopath episodes. I still need to edit that. That one might come a little while after that. So, I've got a few episodes in the pipeline. You're definitely going to want to stick around and hear what's up. If you want to keep up with all that, just follow the BitCast on Twitter. I'm usually active on there. And like I said, you can see what games I'm talking about, and you can gather what games I'm liable to make episodes about. You can also keep following the show on iTunes, the Podcast One website, and the mobile app. And with that, I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.